Welcome to Talking Facts, what you need to know about family, food, finance, and fitness. Hosted by the University of Kentucky Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Program, our educators share research knowledge with individuals, families, and communities to improve quality of life. Hello and welcome to Talking Facts. This is your host, Dr. Jennifer Hunter, Assistant Director for Family Consumer Sciences Extension at the University of Kentucky. Today I'm pleased to be joined by Dr. Heather Norman Burdoff, our Extension Specialist for Nutrition and Health. Thanks for joining us today, Heather. Yes. So today's topic, I think, will be an interesting one for our our listeners, that we are talking about the gluten-free diet. And just before we got started today, we were just discussing a few tidbits just about how popular gluten-free diet has become and that how important it is for consumers to really understand, you know, in general, what is gluten, how it fits into their diet, who should be following a gluten-free diet, how it's labeled, et cetera. So I'm mm-hmm. thrilled that you're joining us today to answer all these questions. Yes. So I, you're exactly right. It's become very popular, but I think that there's a lot of misinformation or some information is misinterpreted. So hopefully today we can kind of clarify those things. Great. I think where we have to start if we're talking about <laughs> the gluten-free diet is What is gluten and where is it found? Perfect. Perfect. So gluten is a protein and it's found in uh, wheat, barley, and rye. So that means that any food items that contain wheat, barley, and rye on that ingredients list is going to contain gluten. And I kind of like to think about like what does it do in in the food product itself? So if you cut open a loaf of bread and then you see there are like the air pockets or the air bubbles that have been formed within that. Mm -hmm. So essentially gluten is the protein that creates the structure to allow those air bubbles to form. Okay. So that makes sense. Yes. So that's exactly that's the function of gluten in these products that have wheat, barley, and rye. Um, so a product that's gluten-free, if you compared a loaf of bread that was gluten-free to a, a loaf of bread that had gluten, the gluten-free one would be much more dense because there wouldn't be those air bubbles. If that makes sense, right? So that's kind of a way that you can t- you can tell the difference. You could do a cool si- a science experiment to see the difference. So, alcoholic beverages, because you know uh, specifically beer, you know barley. So those are actually going to contain gluten. And then there are other foods that don't naturally contain gluten, like oats. But due to the way that they are milled and processed, they are at an increased risk of being contaminated by gluten because they are around other products that have wheat. So always going back to wheat, barley, and rye, gluten is a protein that is found in those those grains. So as we've started this conversation, and I'm just thinking about, because, you know, I always try and ask you the questions that I think just the average consumer wants to know, which right. to our listeners, I think makes our guests sometimes very nervous when I just start randomly talking and asking questions. But I think about that really and truly gluten and the conversation about gluten-free is really popular right now that mm-hmm. um, for those that listen often, you know that I have a teenager mm-hmm. and, you, you know, he'll bring up gluten at home just, just randomly. Not that we have a gluten-free diet at home or that we really spend much time talking about gluten at all, but it's enough in his everyday conversation or information that he has gained at school mm-hmm. that that gluten really and truly is being talked about quite a bit out there. 
So it seems like that, you know, with so much focus on a gluten-free diet, that there are several people that are choosing to go gluten-free. Mm-hmm. Yep. So who should be avoiding gluten-containing products? For what person is a good idea to go on a gluten-free diet? Yeah. Okay. So that, again, going back to this, the basics, that's, it's a great question. So first and foremost are individuals that are living with celiac disease. So this is a serious condition, really, where a gluten-free diet is their only treatment and therapeutic option. So it is necessary for these individuals. So celiac disease is an autoimmune disorder that can be passed from parents to kids, you know, through genetics, where a person is unable to digest that gluten protein. And so as a result, it's going to cause some damage to the intestines as it passes through. And that's where we see some pretty serious symptoms. So diarrhea, cramping, vomiting, serious fatigue, and we even start to see malnutrition because the intestines have been so damaged that they're not able to absorb the vitamins and minerals that they need. This gluten-free diet for someone with celiac disease is really their only treatment. And about 1% So one out of 100 people in the U.S. is living with this condition. So um, strongly encourage testing for celiac before you start the gluten-free diet. So that's something to keep in mind. Just don't start the gluten-free diet on your own. You really need to be on it when you go and present these symptoms to the doctor because you've got to do some blood work, and then they will monitor your response to the diet. I think that's a great point. So if you are not feeling well and you Mm -hmm. somewhat think that you might Mm-hmm. have um, celiac disease that removing yourself from gluten before visiting with your healthcare professional could skew your test results. Exactly, exactly. So that's something you don't want to kind of self-diagnose yourself. You really need to talk to your healthcare provider so that the, the correct blood work and tests are done, as well as they will monitor your response to coming off that diet and seeing the improvements in your symptoms. A- another thing that might be a little confusing for people is there's this new intolerance or sensitivity that we're starting to see called non-celiac gluten intolerance or sensitivity. And it's being talked about a little bit more. And it's not necessarily an immune disorder or an allergy. And really, it's we just think it's your body responding to gluten as if it were a foreign pathogen, essentially. So it's attacking that, thinking that it's something foreign that's trying to make you sick. And as a result, you might see some bloating, gas, and diarrhea. And this is usually much less severe than someone that has celiac disease. So again, this is something to have a conversation with your healthcare provider about. And is that something that a healthcare provider can medically diagnose? Yeah, it's not as clear cut. Again, it's something that we're just really starting to see. So the literature is just starting to grow on how to how to manage the sensitivity. And I think what we're seeing now, you mentioned your son kind of bringing it up when it comes to the general public, is the use of the gluten-free diet for some other health right, reasons. Right. And so um, the big one is weight loss, which I'm sure we'll get to in a minute. But there's been some past p- people in the past who have used it in response to like autism spectrum disorder as well as irritable bowel syndrome. And there's some other conditions too if you kind of get out on the internet and start looking around. But there's really only promising literature that shows that the gluten-free diet may help alleviate some of the symptoms of IBS. That's the only other place we're really starting to see that. And we just need some more work still in in the scientific world on figuring this out. Evidence is really lacking when it comes to weight loss, autism, and some other conditions. Um, so those are just some things to keep in mind and to be on a lookout for when it comes to new literature that's coming out related to gluten-free diet. Right. And I probably can't say this enough, but if an individual is experiencing any of the symptoms that you've talked about that really and truly consulting their, their healthcare professional yep. to try and determine the cause is their best mm-hmm. course of action. Yes, Absolutely. 
So it does seem like, though, that gluten-free products are everywhere now, that you can easily find them within the grocery store, that they're um, promoted, that there's a tremendous amount of marketing that has gone yeah, into gluten-free products. So why have they become so popular? So I think it's interesting. There was a study that was done a few years ago. I think it was 2013, 2014, that showed 65% of Americans actually thought gluten-free products, just being a gluten-free item, made it healthier. Is there any truth to that? No, no, there's okay. really not. It's kind of just this conception, this misconception that we have, really. In 2014, the gluten-free product market was just under $6 billion, which is still large. But now it's projected to reach $16 billion in the next five to six years. Oh, wow. That's huge It's huge. huge. It's huge growth. So these are products that typically have gluten but now have versions that make them gluten-free. Food manufacturers are really starting to cater to this demand of individuals wanting to purchase things that are gluten-free. Is there really yeah. anything driving that beyond just consumer trends? Not really. I mean, we may start to see that the di- the number of people that are being diagnosed is going up, but it just might be because we're more aware. We know how to better identify those individuals. Okay. And, and really, you know, if it's 1% of the population, that's not enough to really drive growth. That definitely not definitely not at that type of a trend. Yeah, and we're also starting to see many influential individuals who are promoting it as well. So thinking about celebrities and celebrity doctors, there's athletes who really are going by it and then you're starting to see all kinds of diet books or cookbooks that are really promoting the diet. And so really there's just this increased presence of just information about it that can easily be found on the internet as well that's kind of driving people. They're seeing it, so they think that they should have it or that they need it. And that's not necessarily all of the case. And then we, a lot of times, and I've heard them too, are some anecdotal stories from people who maybe have chosen on their own to, to go onto the gluten-free diet, and then they say they feel better. So again, just keep in mind that everyone is very different, and that may be the case for one individual, but scientifically, we're not seeing that across the board. And finally, just, you know, popularity-wise, I think it might be that a lot of people think it's healthier because it's going to promote weight loss. But I do not encourage the use of a gluten-free diet for weight loss. We really don't have enough evidence or long-term studies to show a strong enough impact on body weight. And for those who have seen some weight loss, it may just simply be a result of reducing those high-sugar carbohydrate foods. So think about a lot of those, you know, processed packaged foods that we're trying to reduce in our diet. They're going to most likely have gluten because a lot of them are containing wheat in some way. So if you're really eliminating a lot of high-sugary foods from your diet, then you may see a positive effect. So that's just something to keep in mind. Is it really eliminating the gluten or is it you're making a, a change to your food choices where you're eliminating another nutrient that may be adding a lot of calories. And I think that, that, that that's a great point that sometimes when we become more mindful about what it is that we're eating and we do kind mm-hmm. of remove some oh, of those yeah, more for processed sure. For sure. items, that maybe just in general we're making a more positive food choice where, in fact, it has nothing to do with the fact that the product was gluten mm-hmm. or gluten-free. Yep. In, in talking about this trends in the number of gluten-free products and the amount that are on the marketplace— and you mentioned a little bit about labeling. Is the gluten-free label regulated? 
And if so, are there certain products that must mm-hmm. have the label or must not or have yeah. that Yeah, so you even mentioned it too, this idea of marketing is really pushing it everywhere. So the, it is regulated, and it's a recent regulation. So the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, actually issued a rule in 2014 that is basically just gave us a standard for what could and couldn't be labeled as gluten-free. So gluten-free labeling is voluntary, and essentially it means that the food must contain less than 20 parts per million of gluten. So that means that there's even a little bit, but once we get so low, it's almost sometimes hard to even test that there's that much, and it's been shown by science that even... 20 parts per million or even if it has a little bit of gluten for someone that's most likely not going to cause a response. Okay. So that's that that's pretty pretty low. And so this includes both ingredients and accidental or potential cross contamination. So I mentioned earlier oats as an example. They don't have gluten, but the way they're processed really puts them at risk for being contaminated. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, and that could be in their manufacturing and their packaging process or Just even in transportation. lines. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Same warehouse, same facility, those mm-hmm. types of things. So basically, food manufacturers can put a label on anything naturally gluten-free. So that's why we're, well, I think that's what we're really starting to see more of is we're seeing gluten-free put on bottled water and on fruits and vegetables, but we know that those are naturally, those do not contain gluten at all. And that's essentially a marketing. Right. And as a consumers, always we need to be, we need to read labels and Mm -hmm. we need to understand what the labels mean. And we need to be thoughtful about the labels that obviously bottled water is going to be gluten-free. Exactly. Fruits are going to be gluten-free. Yes. So again, things that can have the label, anything naturally gluten-free, products not made from or derived from a gluten-containing grain, and then products that have been processed so that the gluten is removed. All of those types of things could have a label that says that they're gluten-free. And remember, it's voluntary. So there are many foods that don't have gluten-free labels that do not contain gluten. Okay, so that might be a little confusing. So in other words, foods that don't have gluten do not have to be labeled as gluten-free. And so your example would be an apple doesn't have to have a label okay. saying that it's gluten-free because we know that it is. Okay. Does that help? Does that make sense a little I think, bit? I think that that's all, all good information. As a consumer, because I do think that there is so much information or maybe even misinformation out there about gluten and gluten-free diets, and I've certainly taken home a lot today that I didn't know Mm -hmm. to start with. Um, Where could our listeners go to learn more about gluten-free? Yeah, so actually the extension offices have a really nice publication that includes more information. So maybe if you um, are wanting to go talk to your doctor, it can help inform you in a way to have a conversation and ask some good questions, as well as that publication includes a a list of common gluten-containing foods and ingredients and even has um, a sample menu of four gluten-free foods as well if you're putting together a menu. I know a lot of people, not necessarily they are gluten-free, but maybe they prepare food you know, a, a grandmother is preparing food for a granddaughter who's on a gluten-free diet, and she right. wants to sh- be sure that she prepares foods. So this publication is something that will help you. So definitely reach out to your county extension office. And that's something that we'll also put the link to the publication in the transcript of the show notes. So as a listener, if you want to go back and reference that, it will definitely be there as well. That's perfect. Thanks so much, Heather, for joining us today and sharing information with us. And always a pleasure to have you. Yes, thank you. Thank you for listening to Talking Facts. We deliver programs focusing on nutrition and health, resource management, family development, and civic engagement. If you enjoyed today's podcast, 
have a question or a show topic idea, leave a like and comment on Facebook at UKFCSEXT. Visit us online at fcs.uky.edu to learn more about the University of Kentucky Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Program or contact your local extension agent for Family and Consumer Sciences. We build strong families. It starts with us.